We're going to be reading this morning from Psalm 92. Turn to your Bible with me, please. Psalm 92. An interesting title this morning. It's simply, the title is simply this, The Righteous Will Flourish. What a, what a statement. The righteous will flourish. And perhaps you're here this morning and you feel your life is anything but flourishing uh, at the present. Well, you'll be glad to know it's not my promises. It's not my word to you this morning. It's what the Bible teaches. The righteous will flourish. Psalm 91. There's only a few verses I'm going to be looking at this morning, but I want to read the whole psalm because it's a wonderful and bit of scripture if you're reading along with me. So Psalm 91, there's only 15 verses in it, but let us read together. It says this psalm was written, it was a song for the Sabbath. This was a, the Jewish Sabbath, which was a Saturday, and this would have been sang as they went up to worship and worshipped at the, the, the temple. It's a wonderful psalm, and there's so much depth to it and, and so many promises within it. Um, you could just spend so much time with it. But let us just read just together this morning. Verse 1, so it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. Now, if that was a Northern Ireland a translation. We could say the music of the flute and the harp. What a picture of the north and the south mingled together, but it doesn't. It's not the flute. The lute is a ten-stringed instrument. Verse 4, but for you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. Verse 6, the stupid man cannot know. The fool cannot understand this. That though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish and all evildoers shall be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. Now the horn is a symbol of power. It's a symbol of strength that makes God's people strong. That's what God does. You have poured fresh oil over me. There's the healing anointing, the, the anointing to live for God, to be used of God. In verse 11, my eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. And here's the verse we're going to be looking at this morning, verse 12. But the righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. Think of this, church. They are planted in the house of the Lord, and they flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. Why? Verse 15, to declare that the Lord is upright. To declare that the Lord is upright. Father, we thank you for these wonderful words. And Father, as we just take a moment in your presence, God, would you still us? Lord, would you awaken us? Lord, would you make these words, your words, God, living to us? Lord, may they be like food to the body. May it be like food to our longing soul, God. May we get a glimpse of who you are. May we get a small understanding of what it is to be a child of God and the promises bestowed and poured out upon us. Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would bless this word to our hearts, Lord, that this word would become a reality to each of us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 
What a wonderful psalm. And there's so much in this psalm, but I just want to look at a few verses this morning and with us. Verse 12, the righteous flourish like the palm tree. Why does the Bible say that? That the righteous flourish like the palm tree. It was once said by an atheist that God's people suffer the same as the ungodly. And maybe that's true to a certain element. But what we know for sure is that suffering affects all men. The difference is that the godly trust in God and God causes them to flourish in the midst of it. The godly have promises, the word of God in their life. A man by the name of David Nichols says this, that God's promises are like the stars. The darker the night, the brighter the stars. Sometimes God's promises don't mean anything to us until we find ourselves against the wall. There's three promises that Psalm 22 brought straight out to me. There's many more, but these are three that you can write down for yourself. Three promises this that the righteous will flourish. The second promise is the righteous will be planted in the house of God. That means they'll also be nourished. And then the righteous will bear fruit in old age. What a lovely understanding of what it is to be a child of God and to serve God. But th- something that I know to be true in part is in order for a plant to, pl- to flourish, it must be located in the right place. I have many uh, nice plants that aren't so much nice anymore. They're dead. They weren't maybe watered or placed in the right place. And I'm sure we all have some plants like that. But what we know is that when the Christian is planted in the house of God, there's a flourishing that takes place within them. Why is that? Because in the house of God, the presence of God is found. That's what makes the difference to your life this morning. The pruning hand of God is at work in the house of God. And although we don't like the pruning, it's what causes growth in the plant. It's where the word of God is preached. And it it feeds our spiritual roots and it strengthens our faith. That's what the word of God does. It strengthens us. Fables are good for a moment, but they do nothing for the soul. But the Lord likens a Christian, the new man or woman of God, onto a palm tree. That's what I want to paint a picture for you this morning. If you're saved this morning, God's saying you're like a palm tree. Now, what is it about this palm tree? It certainly not, doesn't mean you're tall and thin, because that doesn't apply to me. So what does it mean to be like a palm tree? What is it about the palm tree that the Lord likens to a believer? Well, the first thing that we notice about the palm tree is that it's known for its uprightness. It's known for its uprightness. And so it is with the believer. They're known for their uprightness. They're no longer known as a thief, if you like, a drunkard, a twister, or whatever else you can put in place of that. When a man meets Christ, they become a new person, a person that by the grace of God in their life, becomes upright, becomes trustworthy in character. That's what the gospel does. It takes men and women who aren't of much reputation, and it gives them a reputation of good uprightness. That's the power of the gospel. Amen. Is that your testimony this morning? They become known as a person who's upright, and that's the work of the Holy Spirit, cleansing and sanctifying God's people. Now, the church belongs to Christ. The church of Jesus Christ does and must stand upright among the nations. We must be careful of the enemy, that old serpent of old who seeks to bring us down to the level in which he's been cursed to the ground. 
And we looked last week at Enoch, Enoch, sorry, a man who, this man walked with God. And we, we brought out the importance of walking with God in the present tense. That we're walking with God daily and praising daily and, and serving the Lord daily. That it's, it's not some stalemate, some stale confession that we made at such and such a place under such and such a person's ministry. That, that our walk with God is ripe and it's fruitful and it's present today. And Enoch walked with God and we're told that he was taken up at the right time. That was all that mattered, that, that he was walking with God on which the day the Lord called him home. This man was like a palm tree. He walked upright before the people. He was upright before God, and the people around him seen that. Now, Psalm 15, verse 2, in the New King James Version says this, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? Now, the holy hill is a, a place where King David placed a tent, if you like, where the ark was placed in Jerusalem. It was there for worship unto the Lord, but it wasn't just open to anyone. And that's where, that's where we can get it wrong sometimes with holiness. There was a requirement, if you like, and the requirement to dwell there was found in verse 2. It says, he who walks uprightly. You see, there was, a, there was a living that was attached to the worshiper. If you want more of the Holy Spirit in your life, maybe you need to get some of the world out of your life. If you want more of God in your, in your business, well, maybe you need to get some ungodly practices out. You, you see the principle. The, the worship is in our living. It's not just in our, in our singing. And that's what we see. The temple in Jerusalem wasn't a play park for sinners acting as saints. And, and thank God, as, 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 as sinners saved by grace, we understand that our righteousness comes from Christ. There's no works with the gospel. You can get saved, and if you are saved this morning, it's not because of your works, it's because of the work of, of, of the Lord upon that cross for you. In Christ alone. But listen, we are responsible in how we walk as a believer. To, to be upright is to be achieved by our deeds, you see. We all know what a crooked man looks like, a thief, a con man. He's the polar opposite of somebody who's upright. So if you want to know what uprightness is in your life, it's not a form of holiness, it's a form of living. That's what we see. The believer, like the palm tree, is upright among other trees. It stands tall. See, not every tree bears fruit. And there's some trees in the kingdom of God that are overgrown with thorn bushes which is the curse of the world. Maybe that's you this morning. You've so much curse. You're caught up in the world so much that you, you feel choked. But that's not what God has for you. There's any man being Christ, he's free, isn't he? Wherever the sun sets free, he's free. And the world puts the thorn bushes over and pulls us down and, and rips us and frustrates us and causes anger to flow through us. And, and that's, you see, not every tree in the kingdom bears fruit because it's overgrown with the curse of this world. But David says, he that walketh uprightly will flourish. He that walketh, she that walketh uprightly. The palm tree is known for its uprightnesses. But listen, the thing about the palm tree, get a picture of this. It's not hiding behind other trees. It's not ducking and diving among other trees like some men are. Ducking and diving behind other people. Hiding behind big words and testimonies. But, but they're just ducking and diving. But the righteous man or woman who walks with the Lord in honesty and integrity can stand firm in the crowd and be exalted for their righteousness, their uprightness. You see, the palm tree stands tall and upright. It's certainly not hidden away among the thorn bushes. 
And church, I want to say this really gently because it's something that I often say to my own heart and it's something that will help us to flourish in our businesses, in our lives. And I understand circumstances sometimes can be a hindrance and stop us, but this must be said, and if it's at all possible, if we owe money, if we're being difficult with a neighbor or a family person, you understand, if we're living a double life, if you're ducking and diving and you're hiding among the thorn bushes, listen, that's not what it is. That's not what God requires, and there's no freedom in that. There's no freedom in that. Now, an old man of God who, who done really well in business told me many years ago to, Neil, pay your bills monthly if you have the money or not. And I looked at that man and I thought to myself, is this man just a man of words or is this man proves himself in his living? And I could see, I could see what, what he had built and what the Lord had, how the Lord had blessed him. And I put that into practice. And I promise you there's times I wrote checks and I didn't have the money. I was in my overdraft. And I find myself getting to a place where I, my cash flow was in a good place. And my reputation was good. And if I needed credit or I needed something, I got it without a hesitation. Why? Because by my actions, by my deeds, by listening to that man who said, Neil, you can't be a good witness when you're in the 90 days. And there's something in it. Oh, that man can preach all right. It's a pity he couldn't pay his bills. You know, and, and, but there's, now there's circumstances. And I know, I don't know, but I, perhaps there's somebody here on your own money and you haven't got it. Don't hide away. Seek help. And there's, there's things that we can get done to get that. Christians against poverty. And there's all these other things. But, but listen, if you're a miser, if you have the money stored up and it's killing you to pay it, you need to pay your bills. Now, I've said that to myself. Is that all right? And it's done in a nice way, isn't it? But we can't flourish if we don't pay our bills. If we're not honest in our living, if we're ducking and diving, we can't flourish. The godly don't duck and dive and hide among. The palm tree is known for its uprightness. Listen, the second point is it's also known for its fruitfulness. The Lord says in John 15, if we abide in him, we will bear fruit. You don't bear fruit by yourself. It's in him. I don't bear fruit by myself. It's in him. The Christian can't help but bear fruit. It just comes for being a Christian. We bear fruit. Oh, we might be on the gutter, but we bear fruit. That's, what the, that's it. What, what, what Jesus is saying here, he's speaking to people who are they're more of a thorn bush than they are a palm tree. And just to give you an understanding, I want to point you to John the Baptist. He was doing a great baptism day and there was all people coming, repenting and getting saved. But he noticed there was a, a certain type of people whose lives were not right. They were no more saved and they were getting baptized. And John cries out and he warned these pretend believers who are called the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were fruitless trees. They looked good from a distance, but they weren't of God. They were acting holy. And that's what that what John the Baptist was basically crying out. He says, listen, acting holy is of no value. You can get baptized. You can look good before this people in Israel, but you're fooling nobody. And he cried out, who all desired to be saved and go on with the Lord and be baptized. He says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. See, there's a fruitfulness that comes through serving Christ. When a man's saved and a woman's saved, their life begins to produce fruit. It's, it's out of the overflow of salvation. It's not out of works. It's, it's a fruitful life. 
See, the righteous bear fruit because it's the work of the Spirit within them. Now, the saved person is made to be upright. That's the flow of Christ. They're made to bear fruit. The fruitfulness is this. If I could define it into one, one word for you, well, a couple of words. It's a turning away of sin. It's when it comes our way, we don't have a desire for it. That's the work of God in us. And verse 12, the flourish says, the, the righteous flourish like the palm tree. It means they begin to stand out in society. Why? Because they no longer desire to do them things, you know? I remember a Christian saying he wasn't long saved and a good friend of his stepfather actually come to him and says, this man up the road, he's a farmer, he owes me money and he's ripped me off and will you come? I can't drive a tractor. I'll give you 300 quid. All I want to do is drive his tractor from there down into my yard because he's not getting the back that I get paid. And the boy says, he says, you know something? He says, I was wild tempted. 300 quid for five minutes. He says, but the Lord convicted me. And I says, well, thank God he convicted you. But you see, it, was it a coincidence that man only got saved? And next thing, here's 300 quid. Drive that tractor five minutes down the road. You know? Burr fruit. This man, when he said no, he said the boy's face was quite offended. He, he stood out because God was working in him. The, the life began to bear fruit, which was honorable before man and pleasing the Lord. See, that man's reputation couldn't have been slandered. And I promise you, if he'd have took that 300 pounds, that man would have been boasting in the pub, owned by some Christian. I tell you. The palm tree is known for its uprightness, its fruitfulness, and then next, stability. Oh, stability. Stability. Follow through in the life of young Christians is a big thing. Follow through to be stable. But their stability comes with knowing the Lord and the righteous becomes stable. And you mightn't be stable straight away, but there's a stability. Stability comes because the believer is planted in the house of the Lord. This speaks of stability in my eyes. The palm tree is known for being strong and stable. And Christian, I want to say this to you. In brief, you're in Christ you're secure. In your mind this morning, you might be shaken, but in Christ you're secure. And what I've noticed about today is unstableness. Is, it probably describes most of our world, maybe some of our lives this morning. Many fear losing their home because of high interest rates today. That's a reality. Many fear homelessness because of the shortage of housing and the pricing of rent. Many fear unemployment, and there's so many fears. Unstableness is all around us. But yet the child of God is planted in the house of God, and unstableness is not their portion, because they're planted. They're, there's a stableness that comes from knowing the Lord. For instance, our salvation is sure and steadfast. Jesus says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one, not even the men that offer you 300 quid for the handy job, will snatch them out of my hand, because you belong to him. Thank God. Paul says, I'm sure of this, that he who began the work in you will complete it. You can't complete it yourself because you can't even start it. It's all the work of Christ. That's why we flourish, because we're planted in the house of God. The palm tree is stable. So too is this believer's salvation. But listen, the, the righteousness, the righteous are stable and consistent in their living as well. And this is the sanctification process. There's a, there's a growing in this one. There's a growing in this one. Not every believer is as stable, but God will constantly lead us to a place where we become strong and steady in our faith because the palm tree is not blown about. 
You don't see it lying too double in the storm. It's well grounded. It's strong in the place in which it's been planted. And so too is the believer. God, through his spirit, makes the believer steady and strong in the place where God has planted us. Another thing about the palm tree is this. It's evergreenness. When I think of this, I think of the command that the Apostle Paul gave to the young Timothy to preach the word. What did he say to him? Do you remember? Be ready in season and out of season. There's no barrenness in the, in the life of the Christian. There's no time that you don't share Christ. And there's no time that you don't live for him. To be evergreen is to be ever ready to share the Lord, to share the gospel. Every church, listen, that has stopped preaching the word of God has become a barren tree, the Bible teaches. A church that hides away from preaching God's truth is a tree that hides behind other trees hoping not to be seen. But a church that preaches the gospel in the favorable season and the unfavorable season is likened to the evergreenness of the palm tree. Let me read a bit of scripture to you. And this is the Amplified Bible. You can read this for yourself, 2 Timothy chapter 4. I, I think it just hits it in the head. So it's the Amplified Bible. You'll be glad to know I don't need to add to it. I'm just going to read it to you. Paul says to Timothy, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, the living, and the dead. Preach the word as an official messenger. Be ready when the time is right, and even when it's not, keep your sense of urgency, whether the opportunity seems favorable or unfavorable, whether convenient or inconvenient, whether welcome or unwelcome. Crack those who err in doctrine or behavior. Warn those who sin. Exhort and encourage those who are growing towards spiritual maturity with inexhaustible patience and faithful teaching. Then in verse 3, Paul gives a reason why it's so important to hold fast and to share in every season. He says, for the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine and accurate instruction that challenges them in God's truth, but wanting to have their, their ears tickled with something pleasing, they will accumulate for themselves many teachers, one after another chosen to satisfy their own desires and to support their own errors, and will turn their ears away from the truth and will wander off into myths and man-made fictions and will accept the unacceptable. What a word for the day. But as for you, O oh man, be clear-headed in every situation. Stay calm and cool and steady. 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 Endure every hardship without flinching and do the work of an evangelist and fulfill the duties of your ministry. Isn't that something? To be evergreen is to be ever ready in every season to point people to Christ. What a picture of the church evergreen, alive all year round. Now, I want to close with something lovely. A reminder that God has a purpose for each and every person in every season of our life. It says, the righteous are planted in the house of God. Look at verse 14. They still, they still, they still bear fruit in old age. They are forever full of sap and green. Even in old age, the palm tree bears fruit. Even when it's been there and it's hanging by the threads, 
and it looks like your great auntie Aggie who's 110, there's still fruit will be found hanging from the tree. Now, some of you here don't care less about that verse. It doesn't mean anything to you because youth's on your side. And the thought of coming 40 is a long, long way away. But there's some of us that have believed a lie that we're finished, that we're done that we're no longer going to flourish. In fact, the best place for you to be is hidden behind the thorn bushes out of the road. What a lie. What a lie. What deep roots you have. What storms you've been through. What resilience, what stories you can tell us of people you've seen rise and people you've seen fall. How you can encourage how you can teach us what not to do and what to do. Isn't that it? Even in old age, you will still bear fruit. That's the God we serve. That's why the righteous will flourish. Because it's a supernatural life that you and I are part of. It's something that's only starting now and will never end. Let me use some imagery in closing. It's the imagery that Solomon uses, Solomon uses, and I've spoke this before, but it talks about getting old. He talks about when the windows become dim. Do you know what? The windows. When the keepers of the house, the arms become weak. When the strong men begin to stoop. When the grinders cease and become few. When the sound of grinding fears fades. When the almond tree blossoms, the gray head. When the body fails us and we drag ourselves along like the grasshopper. The Lord still has a purpose for us. Even in old age, we get the birth fruit for the Lord. Amen. Amen. Is that encouraging? Even in old age. C.S. Lewis said this, and some of you need to apply this to your life because you're in that season. He says, you're never too old to set a new goal or to dream a new dream. Maybe for some of you this morning, you need to set a goal. You need to start dreaming again and ask the Lord, what can you do? What would you have for me to do, Lord? Set a goal. I'm going to ask the team to come. Uh, we're just going to go into the time of around the table now, but we're still not finished now. One moment, I want you to see this because there's fears and the Lord's really pressed this into me this morning. So in Psalm 71 verse 9, we hear these fears of, fears of the, the aging man, if you like. It's the person that feels that there's no purpose. You could be here in your 20s and feel that you have no purpose, but specifically and in context of speaking about somebody who thinks of they're just done now. Listen to what it says, Lord, in my old age, don't set me aside. Don't forsake me now when my strength is failing me. Think of them words, Lord, don't set me aside when I'm old. We have an opportunity, church, to serve the Lord now when, when you're young, when you're youngish like me, and when you get a wee bit more mature and all them things. But you know, we have an opportunity because the Bible says we will flourish. You know, I've seen too many people not grow 
not bloom in the summer and the springtime. Why? Because they're so caught up, so caught up in everything else, but the one thing that can bring true joy, true commitment, true satisfaction. But listen to them words, Lord, don't set me aside. Maybe that's your life today. You just feel that you have no purpose. You just don't know what it's about. Perhaps you don't even know God today, and you're just going, what is this man talking about? See, God says he's got a future, a plan, a purpose for each life. And here we can see this imagery in this, this man. Lord, don't set me aside because I'm old. And, but in Isaiah 46, God responds. He says, listen, I will still be carrying you when you're old, he says. Your hair will turn gray. See, God doesn't hide away from truth. He says, listen, your hair will turn gray. You might even possibly start to lose your sight. Your hearing might become a bit, your grinders might fall out, you see. And that's okay when you're sitting here with a, well, bar one, a full set. And your eyes are 20-20. At least they were the last time we had them tested. You see, there's certain promises that don't really mean much till, like the stars. You don't really see them till it becomes dark. He says, I will carry you in your old age and your hair will turn gray. He says, but I will still carry you in that moment. He says, listen, I made you. He says, I made you. You think I don't know what's going to happen to you? You think I don't know what you're going through? You think I don't know what's good for you? You see, that's what the Bible says. You think I don't know? But I will carry you to safety and I then in return will save you. It's my day. But I've had a time to think about it. For some of you, it's just words, but for some of you, this is profound. That's what it is to be righteous, to be planted in the house of God, to be nourished in every season, to be evergreen, even though you feel barren, you're evergreen. When you feel you have nothing to give, there's fruit in your life. People look on and on, and you feed into people's lives. You don't know how or why, but it's because the righteous will flourish. And when we talk about walking uprightness, it's the Lord saying, listen, I have a purpose, but if you continue to be a crooked man, a crooked woman, if you continue to be a twister, to to cause rows with your neighbors for talk's sake, and if you continue to live in such a way, how can you ever flourish? Because a palm tree is to be distinct, to be stood by its own, and to to flourish and to, to soar high and to bear fruit in all seasons. It's not created to be an old thorn bush. It's a burden for anybody who comes across it. You try to get a bit of fruit and you pay the price. Bites. But the palm tree is known for its uprightness. Christian character. It's fruitfulness. Good deeds and living. It's stability. Being steady in our love for God and having an assurance of salvation to guide us. Evergreen. Sure the gospel even when it's not convenient. But it bear fruits.